Welcome to the Coffee Cameras and Content Podcast, a podcast where we talk all things camera tech, technology in general, content creation, content creation strategies, what's going on in the influencer economy, all while you get to sit back and take a quick coffee break. My name is Marcus Visbo and I'll be your host. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Parker Wallbeck, selling full-time filmmaker, specifically to Landon, by the way. Uh, that's his name, Landon BTW. Four or five years ago, Parker Wallbeck brought Jake Weisler and Landon on to full-time filmmaker, and on the most recent video, had stated that, you know, in essence, when he originally interviewed him, you would be running full-time filmmaker. So already right off the cuff, uh, if we take a look at a retrospect look at everything, we know that the moment Landon was brought on, he was told that, you know, he was probably going to be inheriting FTF at some point, not inheriting, but, you know, could run the company. So taking a look at Parker Wallback, right, we, we, we have to take a look at the history and where, where Parker began in content creation was with this guy named Devin Supertramp. And if you've ever heard Parker Wallback's story, right, like he... He started to play with cameras and apparently was better with cameras than at music. Uh, had had a love for music but wasn't good at it. Picked up a camera and was halfway decent with it. And then from there taught himself and learned all while getting connected to a guy named Devin Supertramp. And if you're not familiar with Devin Supertramp, he was like one of the second or third wave YouTube uh, influencers, if you will. What was specifically known about Devin Supertramp was the quality of his videos on YouTube were head head and shoulders above his competition. He was one of the pioneers and originators of bringing very high quality content to the free YouTube platform. You know, this was at a time when Parker Parker came, I I I call it the third wave, right? So we have the second wave with Devin Supertramp. We have if I said anything different, my apologies. Um, so we have the third wave with Parker Wallback really hitting the scene after he had parted ways with Devin Supertramp because he'd come to Devin Supertramp with the idea of FTF. And Parker, though he was pretty good with a camera, mainly ran the logistics end of everything for Devin Supertramp. Like he did the numbers and really loved the business aspect and wanted to be an entrepreneur. And he came to Devin Supertramp with the idea of full-time filmmaker, um, hoping that he would back it, and he didn't. And um, that's where they parted ways, and Parker really went all out on full-time filmmaker and believed in this product and gave it his all. And, uh, you know, he had to move back to his parents' house, move into the bedroom, and kind of take things from there, uh, in which case he put together the course, um, and then obviously started the upward trajectory of what we knew as Parker Wallback. He used Devin Supertramp's name to really, really help push a lot of uh, beginning traffic to his pages because he was able to say, hey, I'd worked with Devin Supertramp, this on, so forth. And um, from that from that connection, right, he had gotten also very well known uh, that he was good with a camera and then started to do promos for companies like Canon and working with Hyundai and various other companies, which also helped to make him seem far more legit when it came to buying the class. And he gained some steam. Um, 
specifically in this era of third wave YouTubers, we'll call them, right? Uh, we we had Peter McKinnon, uh, Matty Hapoja, Flight Path kind of hit the scene, Potato Jet. Everyone knows Sam Calder, um, David Manning, Danny Gervitz, and many more. Uh, but where Parker Wallback kind of stood above head and shoulders was you know, the, the quality of his content and work and the fact that he was literally just willing to tell you how he created it and what he did. Uh, and even in his videos, he stated, I'm, I'm fully willing to tell you this because I know that 90, 98% of you aren't going to do the work or get better at composition or train yourself, right? Um, that was like his his pitch, right? Like, I, I can't make you a millionaire. I can help you to make better better video and offering that better video is going to make you stand out from your competitors. And, you know, yet again, Parker Wallbeck just seemed to have all this, all this knowledge base and he was giving us everything up front. So all while that was going on, right, we had the, the next wave of YouTubers coming in, but, um, in essence, right, he had hired on Jake Weisler and Landon, by the way, during that period of time because he started to take on so much. Uh, a lot of people were buying FTF because they wanted to be his students. They wanted to sign up for the program, wanted to do a lot of things, and he needed help because he didn't want to continually pump out video after video after video. Uh, during that time, he was doing interviews with other businesses and entrepreneurial minded like podcasts and interviews. And he had stated that like filmmaking isn't necessarily his passion, but full-time filmmaker was a business venture. And first and foremost, above all, he was an entrepreneur. And you can actually see that even today because though FTF is sold, he still has Course Creator Pro, which is growing at a steady pace, which is you know, mainly run by his brother. His brother takes the main workload with doing all the videos and creating all the hooks and the snags. And obviously they have money funneling in that way and people coming in. And then he also has this website called VidLead. A lot of people don't know that about like Parker. Is it like he has other businesses coupled where he's partnered with other people because he, I'm sure to a certain extent, he plays bank and helps out a little bit, but mainly has the other person doing the majority of the tasks while he runs numbers and figures. Because that's that's more where his passion is, is on the back end, which we learned um, when he was talking about his background with Devin Supertramp, right? He wanted to be an entrepreneur. He wanted to be on that back end and do those things. He was never truly 100% passionate about filmmaking. And that's why him selling this company to, to Landon, by the way, isn't like a big deal, Um I'd always wanted to learn more about Parker, so I always like tried to find more stuff on him, but never really could, other than like what was put out there. And then obviously I found these other interviews where he had spoken about where FTF was more of a business venture and he's more open-minded to running all kinds of different businesses. So, you know, when I heard the news, I wasn't shocked or surprised, specifically because I think a year or two ago he made an announcement where he would not be actively a part of FTF. So even before uh, he sold it to Landon, by the way. He was already taking a step back because he had all these other things going on as well. And FTF was going to remain around in order for all the people that had signed up to have access to the courses. Um, but I'm sure he was probably coming up with some kind of contingency plan where he would provide a download link and then shut down the site. But obviously this opportunity with Landon um, really presented itself. And it's something that they originally had been talking about, right? And 
Um, the thing about Landon and Jake Weisler is if you hear their background, because Landon did have a podcast, I think it was called By the Way, um, still active and out there. He talks about his background at FTF and like when he came on, he really wasn't a full time filmmaker. He had done like some stuff here and there and he had tinkered with cameras and like, you know, put some small work within a project or two and like won an award. But he was never like a full time filmmaker generating income, doing weddings, doing this, doing that or like real estate tours like the rest of us do. Um he very much so lucked up into that spot after he came back from his mission. You know, he he was talented, though, and that's what set him apart was what he did was really good. And his seamless transitions were, you know, back then, I, I truly believe that this guy was behind the camera for years and years at a time just because he picked up the camera and was able to do seamless transitions almost immediately. Same thing with Jake Weisler. Um, they both didn't really have much experience and you know, they're really part of this next wave of influencers because they parted ways with Parker Wallback a couple years back. And then you have Jake Weisler who's doing runaway vows and starting to see some success and running his own business. Uh, seems to be pretty happy. Um, and then you have Landon who doubled back after a couple years and now owns FTF. But these guys are part of that next wave of filmmakers. And I put them on the level of, you know, Kofi Yaboa. Brady Bissett, Jason Morris, Peter Lindgren, Terry Warfield, those guys. So in essence, Parker's passing the torch to this next next wave of influencers. These guys have a little bit more clout than those other names I had mentioned um, just because of their ties to FTF. Um, but we're starting to see like everything kind of grow from here. So seeing like various comments of people like, oh, of course, Parker's leaving. The whole industry is changing and AI is kind of taking over. And it's like, that's not really the case because Parker, based upon his background, never, he had made it abundantly clear that he was never really in love with video. He just happened to be good at it and used it as an entrepreneurial endeavor. Yet again, he has vid lead because of like his experience with FTF. He can use, if you're not familiar with VidLead, if you haven't seen the ads, um, it's basically a site where they match clients with videographers, right? And um, if you're a videographer, you can sign up to have like a little section on the web page instead of having your own web page. So that way people can find you after they do a search for videographers within that area. And then all your work is up there or whatever work you want to show is up there along with a a headshot and a whole background with links to your socials. So that way it's like a mini website based upon this giant website that's more of a directory. And then if you're looking for video work, uh, they have like tons of ads set up. So like I need a video videographer here and VidLead will pop up because they're advertising the crap out of it. And then you search within that area and then you stumble across a videographer. So it's, it's pretty good for both parties. It just needs to take off. Um, it's also another thing is like Parker's definitely making money on his other businesses, but FTF is definitely where he hit his fortune. Um, guarantee he's probably going to coast until he figures out that next big thing um, because he is entrepreneurial minded. And though he's taking a step away from video, it's more likely due to a fact of burnout because he wasn't super passionate about it. So, of course, at some point, you're going to take a step back. And he had already done that four years ago. And then he tried to pick it back up when Landon and Jake left, but, you know, it just wasn't there. So uh, congratulations to Parker Wallback. I know that I learned a lot from him 
major influence upon me when I first started out. Um, and uh, all the, all the uh, best to your next ventures. Now, um, next piece of information we're going to be talking about today is the patent on Sony. So Sony Alpha Rumors, if you're not familiar with their YouTube page, uh, this guy has links all across the board, generally reports on all the rumors. Uh, when he tells you it comes from a reputable source, I have yet to really see anything not pan out. And um, one of his reputable sources, you know, uh, was able to leak uh, the copyrights and patents, which were, you know, then put in to place, which were then confirmed as registered cameras um, within China over this past year. And we saw two of those patents, the A7C2 and the A7, or, or yeah, the A7C2 and the A7CR2. Those were rumored. He called those rumors out. He was right on those rumors. And then after that, uh, it became distinguishingly clear that the next camera was, you know, that was registered, that was an alpha camera. He knew that it wasn't going to be an A7S IV and said that he believed it was going to be an A9 III, and it turned out to be an A9 III. He reported on the global shutter ahead of time. And during that same video, he also mentioned that there was another patent put in place. So the next Sony camera that's most likely going to be released is going to be within the FX line. Um, he believes it to be the FX9 II, which is pretty big news. Uh, FX9, I believe, came out um, late 2019, early 2020. What makes this a unique opportunity is that if you're not familiar with Sony's cinema lineup, you have the FX3, the FX6, which are, they have the same chip and sensor as the A7S3 because they just took that chip and sensor and slammed that across the board to all different kinds of cameras, not only in the cinema lineup, but the ZVE1 vlogging camera because Sony has this habit of cannibalizing tech and then giving all the features on those more expensive cameras and adding more and then not adding any new features to the older cameras. I'm not a big fan of Sony's firmware updates or their business model, but that's for another podcast. But one thing's for sure is that Sony has a history of cannibalizing their tech. So earlier this year, the Sony Burano was released. The Sony Burano is a $25,000 cinema camera that's basically like a mini Venice, but what what made this camera so unique is it is the first camera to have an electronic variable neutral densities filter or an EVND in it, coupled with IBIS, which is in-body image stabilization. It was believed that this was never going to happen or it was still years out, and Sony was able to put it into their Sony Burano. That's a pretty big deal. If you've never used an EVND on a camera, it is life-changing. Uh, the ability to go from an inside to outside shot while it automatically changes how big the neutral density is on the camera. It's a beautiful thing, man. Uh, and the fact that this might be able to be paired with IBIS, which this is just kind of speculation on my part. And the reason I'm speculating that is because Sony has a history of cannibalizing their cameras uh, and it's the FX9. And we know that they want to put in-body image stabilization into their cinema cameras because it's in the Burano, and it's also in the FX3, which means that the FX6 and the FX9 are eventually going to have IBIS added. And I think that this would be a great time to add IBIS along with that because after 
you give a real point to go to the FX9, they'll start to make their money off of it. And then in a couple of years, they're going to cannibalize that tech and throw it into the FX3, uh, or excuse me, the FX6, and then the FX3, all both Mark IIs. This is, you know, yet again, nothing nothing out of the ordinary. We know that the A7S3 was within six months rehoused in the FX3 body. Um, we know that the A7 IV was rehoused within the A7C2. Um, we know that the sensor from the A7R5 was put into the A7CR52. And uh, yet again, that ZVE won the $2,000 vlogging camera. Um, though from what I hear, it does have issues with overheating and it's like worse than what the YouTubers reviewers are saying which, of course, they want to continue to get cameras from Sony. And the majority of these influencers are now just kind of in it to make money and get free stuff, because why not? Um, you know, that's kind of how the cookie crumbles when it comes to marketing and advertising. Um, but if you're literally just doing burr shots, then great. But a lot of people want to do podcasts. A lot of people want to do long-form content or talking head. And the last thing you want to do is sit down to make a 10-minute video. You take 30 to 35 minutes to record the whole thing while the camera's rolling because you mess up and have to do retakes. And all of a sudden, your camera's overheating, which adds a different level of anxiety to the whole shoot. And you're like, why did I spend this much money on this camera? And now it's overheating. But that's just my personal reason why I would never buy the ZV-E1. I love my A7S III and my A7 IV. Very rarely do I have the A7 IV overheat. I don't think I've had the A7S III overheat once. But... I digress. So here's to hoping that that next patent really is the FX9 II, and it does come with that uh, internal IBIS and EVND. Next up, last topic of discussion, which is relatively important, is the uh, DJI 4D 8K sensor. What makes this so important is that DJI did something that most camera companies typically don't do. When they launched this body two years ago, they said that they were going to make an 8K option. And then we just kind of heard crickets for a while. And then the Inspire 3 came out and has this full frame next level camera. That camera's a, the Zenmoose the X9 8K. And it's a beautiful camera. And there are literally people that are taking the DJI Inspire as a drone and then just grabbing all four ends and acting as if like this thing's a gimbal and walking around with it to film their videos and shoots on set. So DJI most likely had this planned out way ahead of time knows they have the Ronin 4D and they said that they were going to be releasing that 8K sensor two years ago and then it went silent. And then we had the DJI Inspire 3 released and then that camera on the DJI Inspire 3 has been converted to fit for the full Ronin 4D. This thing is not just a resolution bump because they added internal ND filters with multiple stops. I mean, this thing is far next level along with the lens mount options. You do have to be aware of the weight limit on the gimbal. So like they have lens adapters. I think you can put a PL in there. I think you can put an L mount alliance and like various other lenses. And then on top of that, it still has the expanded dynamic range, um, dual native ISO, and it's just beautiful, man. Uh, the fact that they were able to do this, I DJI does a really good job, and I hate them for it because they're pretty much like the Apple of the camera world. Their ecosystem is very coherent and fluent. 
everything works as it should when I'm going through the menus. It's user-friendly and super simple and just makes it feel even more fun to like set up the camera. I was on a I was on a set like a year ago and I was able to use the DJI uh, Ronin 4D and it was literally like playing with a toy um like a very professional toy. You know, it's no different than like my other cameras, but like this thing was just fun to use. Uh, and then especially when you like kick in the chicken head mode, man. It's just very, very fun. So hats off to DJI for doing something that they promised at the launch and fulfilling through to that. Um, so that's it for this one. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you during the next coffee break. Till then, enjoy.